For those of you that uh, are not totally familiar with what Nexus is, uh, essentially 21 years ago we set up the school with a, with a fairly simple agenda. We wanted to train up future worship leaders. We wanted to train and equip Christian musicians to be ministers of the gospel through music, to be able to declare the things that they understood about God and what he'd done in their lives through a creative medium that hopefully would connect with people so that they could hear and come into a relationship with, with the Lord themselves. And that was the simple beginnings. That was the starting point of the vision. And uh, that was enough for us at that time. We knew that Jesus was creative in the way that he presented the gospel. Sometimes he built fires and he talked about things while he made food. And he did some things with clay in people's eyes while he was healing them. And he told stories and he drew pictures in the sand. And he illustrated and he brought to life. Uh, an understanding of God and His kingdom. And so the creative arts are important in communicating with people. And so that's all we understood. And then over the years, that expanded into leadership training and training teachers and songwriters and sound technicians and and all that kind of stuff. And it, it continues today. Events managers, we've got some people working at Godiva Festival over this weekend. And uh, So uh, at each phase of that, it felt like we were pioneering we weren't able to really look at somebody else who was doing this thing and think, okay, yeah, let's do that. That would be, that would be cool to do that. It felt like we were carving a new path many of the times and doing things that certainly hadn't been done in Europe before. Uh, and that continues to today as we launch new degree programs that haven't been in existence and, and create opportunities for students from around the world. But I think looking at how did it happen, it wasn't my childhood dream to leave sunny, earthquake-ridden Southern California and travel to England and arrive in country in the Midlands and set up a college or a university. That wasn't like my life's ambition. Uh, I had never given that any consideration at all. But I arrived here like anybody arrives at a- any point, which it, it, in following a vision, it's, it's God speaks and says something, and there's a choice. Do you hear and obey and take some action in response to that? Or do you let it go by? And, it, and I ended up here by taking that first step and saying, okay, God, I'll respond to the first thing that you're showing me. Even though I didn't know the whole story, take the first step. And I, I love the, the readings that we looked at today. I want to uh, just unpack them a little bit and help them, use them to help illustrate some of these points. But Psalm 84 is a great psalm. First of all, we start out with the psalmist's reflection, some great truths about the nature of God and the security found in God and what it is to be in God's presence. And we sang about that and how it brings a response about bless your name as we enter your presence. But then in verse 5 is where I, I really want to start. We see a key principle. And it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, or uh, a set on a destination. And it's not enough for our heart. Our heart can be set on a lot of things, but it's not enough for our heart to be set on a good idea, as helpful as it is to have good ideas. It's not enough for our heart to be set on the safest or most convenient way forward, uh, the thing that has the most security. It's tempting to do that, and lots of our friends and family will often try to talk us into that, uh, but that's not exactly what that scripture is talking about either. Pilgrimage was quite a risky thing for the people that undertook that. It's not speaking about um, 
setting your heart on things that just other people have had success in, or even that you have had success in, in previous days or years in your past, in your life. And But it's saying our heart, first and foremost, has to be set on Him. It has to be set on Jesus and on the things that He cares about. Uh, sometimes, I mean, I've been guilty of this. I won't ask you if you've been. I've been guilty of having an idea, something I really want to do, and trying to get God to support that idea. Trying to almost talk Him into how good an idea this is and how He should get behind it with this heavenly resource. Uh, but it's different when He becomes the destination and our life is aligned and configured to pursuing Him. What happens is we see things differently. And the things that we see, the ideas start being birthed in Him. And what happens then, this scripture says, the strength to pursue them is found in that place. Not found in trying to convince Him how brilliant or creative our ideas are. So that's in verse 5, a starting principle. If I jump to verse 7, it picks up a little bit further. It says, they go from strength to strength until one day each appears before God in Zion. So this verse is talking about progress, movement. It's talking about a very fixed point that we're heading to, and it describes it not by what we sometimes describe life as like a roller coaster, ups and downs, or different things, one step forward, one step back. We use a lot of phrases to describe that, but but actually in God's design it's saying, I'm bringing you to a place of strength, and from there elevating you to another platform of strength, and from there another platform. That's God's technology or design. That's His ideal plan. And He says that's what happens for those whose hearts are set on Him. That's how their life is described from strength to strength. And movement or activity is not the same as progress. And sometimes we can confuse it for such. Just because a lot is happening, we think there is movement to a destination. But I took a road trip last summer across America as a family. And our our kids are getting older. And we kind of didn't know if we'd have many more of these holiday opportunities. And my parents are were in their mid-80s, and we wanted to see them. And Actually, my mother has died since then, and so it's, it was great to be able to see them uh, as a family. And so we had this big road trip planned, and it required traveling several thousand miles. It required lots of rental cars, flights, transatlantic flights, different flights. Uh, we took a train for 48 hours, for example, across the whole of the southwest. A long, kind of complex, complicated journey. But it sort of struck me that we needed to arrive at a particular place in this destination, my parents' house. And we were starting a long, long way away. Now, we could have, if you could still do these things, show up at the airport and get whatever was the next flight you could get. And it would take us several thousand miles somewhere, perhaps. We could have rented a car when we got to that place and drove around and just randomly plugged some things into our sat-nav. And we would have spent a lot of time in cars. We would have accumulated miles And we could have effectively traveled the same total distance through all those means and arrived somewhere very, very different. It was important that we understood where we were going and the steps that needed to be taken along the way to arrive there. And so it's it's key that we have a destination and it's key that God reveals and we take the steps and he strengthens those along the way. And my life has been like that. It's been one decision after another. God didn't show the whole thing. 
he said, here's the first step. Here's the first level. Here's the first position I want you to move from. And that was my 19-year-old self with a place to do aerospace engineering at uni. And God saying, I'm adjusting that idea. I want you to go and study music. And those two worlds seemed pretty far apart. Uh, one seemed a safe career, and one was just an unknown starting point. Uh, and that was that first movement. And from there, I got inspired and filled with faith. And I thought, I'm going to take a gap year and join a church planting team. And that was the, that's what brought me to Coventry. The, I was on the church planting team that planted New Horizons. And I'm still there today. I'm the only original member, but um, that's okay. That was a growth step for me. A few years later, my wife Kate and I had jobs, and God called us to give up those jobs. Again, we just sort of settled into house careers, and an opportunity came to join Youth for Christ and travel around Europe uh, in a band preaching the gospel through concerts and things. That was another step. And in that, he expanded our heart for discipleship for young people and young musicians. And so our response to that was to start Nexus. And we did that. We'd been married eight years. Uh, We'd spent most of those eight years living in other people's homes. Uh, Sometimes night after night, we'd move homes as we traveled. Sometimes we'd stay in a week, sometimes longer. And we kind of wanted our own house. I think that's reasonable. We sort of wanted a place of our own, and even though we'd spent a lot of money and lived by faith, we had some money saved, and we had enough for, in those days, what was still enough for a deposit on a house. Uh, And then God says, you know, leads us to start this school. And of course, there's no students, there's no money, nobody resourcing that school. The only money available that seemed obvious to us is we could take the deposit from our house I mean, we've lived with other people so long, I guess we could live with people a little bit longer. And so we took that money and we bought the equipment and did the different things needed to start up a school. And we moved into a living room, a front room of a friend's house, not knowing are we going to be there for five years or who knows what. Um, We were only there for three months. It was really a blessing for both them and for us. And uh, then... I had been preaching at a lot of different churches on our travels, and one of those churches called me up and said, we were thinking about you, and we took up an offering for you today, and we wanted to send it to you. And not only was it more than the amount that we had spent starting up the school, um, but it was enough. We didn't have a car either, so it was enough for a deposit on, on a house and to purchase a car. We'd been using a Youth for Christ car before that. So God took that starting point and multiplied it. And it continued as we started the school, expanded it to a second-year program, even though we'd used all our material on the first year. And God was saying, it's not enough. We need to extend what we're doing. And that became three years and a degree, and now a master's program in September and future degrees. And God keeps taking that vision and growing it. Uh, But it was not about stopping or stagnating at any point, even though there were places that seemed logical It was about continuing that strength-to-strength, step-by-step journey. Verse 6 tells us something really beautiful. It says that as they, that's us, those whose heart are set on pilgrimage, passed through the valley of Baca. That's called that because nothing grew there. It was dry, it was barren. The name means death or lifeless. It says they, which is those who are journeying, 
they make it a place of springs. And they did that by digging holes as they traveled. And what happened is as the rainy season came in the spring, it filled it up so that those who traveled after didn't have to do that. They were able to go further and faster because life, the wells were already dug for them. And that's a really important principle. As, As we take steps in our own faith journey, not only does it expand something in us, in our hearts and allow us to see things further and activate things, but it brings life to others brings life to those that follow on from us. A really obvious thing is the, the thousand plus students that have come through Nexus over the years. There's one sitting right here in front of me today who's just finished his degree, his three years with us, and it's brought life to him. I, we've talked about it. I, I've seen his journey, and he's one of uh, over a thousand people that, that, that share that same story. But as his life and the students he represents get impacted and life comes to them, that same journey continues into his circle of friends, community, church, so on. He's heading off to Peru later on in this year, and it extends across the nations of the earth, and he begins to produce something there. And that story could be multiplied hundreds of times. And it starts with an act of faith and, and obedience and pilgrimage and life comes to others. It's happening uh, more and more as I get to work developing other schools like Nexus in different places around the world, uh, in nations, as we build places there so that students, young men and women who want to serve God have easier access and are financially able to access the kind of training that our students get here without the expense of coming to the UK. If we look at our second reading, this is another. It was, as, as we heard, it was short, but it's a short, power-packed scripture. And I want to encourage you to go back and read these again later on in the week and uh, pray into them and let God speak to you again through these passages. But 2 Kings 6, uh, verse 15. We have an interesting story. So the servant uh, gets up. The context of the story is Elisha and the servant are being chased by kings and their armies who are not happy about the things that they're speaking about what God is saying. They don't like what the prophet is prophesying, so they're trying to shut their mouths. And so they've been kind of on the run, and they find uh, an Airbnb one day, and they check in that night, but then they wake up in the morning, and the servant looks out the window and thinks, oh my gosh, we're doomed. Uh, it, it was like, I mean, the, the words almost don't betray probably the terror that was there. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? I think he probably panicked, saw there are literally hundreds of soldiers with one purpose, which is to arrest or kill us. And, and then there's just the two of us. But uh, I think it's fascinating to see how this story rolls out. But one Im- important thing about this story is, Ultimately, his eyes are open, and we see that the hills are surrounded with the, the heavenly host, the armies of heaven, the chariots of fire and things. And one thing about our faith, expanding our faith and, and pursuing a vision God has given us is that the unseen realm needs to be in clear sight for us to empower our choices, or we end up coming to the wrong conclusions. If, if the servant's eyes only see the opposition... His conclusion is, we're doomed. We better run for our lives. What are we going to do? This is it. It's over. But what happens is, Elisha prays, not 
God remove our problems, remove the opposition from us, but he says, open his eyes that he might truly see actually what's going on in the unseen realm, the realm that where God is at work. And uh, visions that are, that are fixed on the things of the earth cannot really determine our, our destiny or reality in God. Uh, certainly when we started Nexus, we started with nothing. So if we looked at what was surrounding us, there was nothing. There was no resource. Uh, there was no courses, really. There was no building. Um, so that would tell us one thing. That paints one picture for us, doesn't it, As our, if we were to fix our eyes on that. Even worse, there were plenty of people that were telling us this thing can't work. There's not the need for it. It will never survive. It's not financially viable. Uh, a lot of people... Even important people who'd studied this said, no, this will, never, this will never work. But we needed faith to see what was not yet visible. That's the definition of faith, isn't it? We have to find a way to see how God sees something. And in, in God's sight, there's a blueprint for a school, and there are courses, and there are people he's put his hand on and destined them in the years to come to study in a place and to activate their life and to send them out into the ends of the earth. That's how God sees it from his perspective. He doesn't see it. There's no building. There's no courses. You guys don't really know what you're doing. The kind of things that would stop you in your tracks. So the unseen realm has to become a reality for us. Another thing we learn from this passage is the success of our vision is not related to or not limited by the strength of the opposition, the strength of the thing that is coming against us or stopping us. And depending on what God has called you to, that opposition takes different forms. I mean, we've never really had armies coming against us, camped outside the Nexus building, waiting to physically kill us. It doesn't come in that form. But it's nevertheless very real. It could come in the form of government policy that is designed, it's certainly not designed to help small Christian training providers and degree providers to prosper. It's, it's clearly not designed for that. In fact, it feels sometimes like every system and every bureaucratic entity is, is designed to shut you down. And that's the, what the opposition looks like. Uh, financially, over many, many times over the years, there have been financial pressure, pressures where the resource coming in was never enough to do the work that God had given us. But like the prophet says, not God just remove the government and all its opposition from us. Our prayer has been, God, help us see what you're doing. Open our eyes like Elisha prayed, that we see you at work and see the resource that is at our disposal because you've commissioned this thing. Greater is that which is for us than is against us. You know, faith wasn't needed the first time we found ourselves surrounded. Uh, we don't start taking our first step asking for a million pounds. Uh, but equally, we, we, don't, you know, we don't stay paralyzed into inactivity. We, we take the first step. And that gets stretched and grows and leads us and positions us for the next step. And you've heard my steps. For me, the first step, do I take that safe, secure place at, at university or do I do something different? Uh, and God opened that up. Uh, do we sit into our jobs and build careers or do we give them up to go travel uh, with Youth for Christ. And, and each step uh, was a, a, a sense of enlargement of our own faith. And as our faith enlarges, we see more of the not yet seen. And so our vision gets bigger 
and that requires a bigger step. And it's a, it's a virtuous circle. We take our first step in God, and he increases our ability to see what he's doing and resources it. And I think 21 years on, this would be a time, certainly at my age, when I, I, I talked to a friend. I was reconnected with a friend I haven't heard from in 30 years just two days ago. And they were talking about, here we are at this stage of life, looking forward uh, they were saying, looking forward to retirement, seeing if they can figure out any way of taking early retirement and basically settling into finishing work and then going on to the relaxed phase of life. And a lot of, a lot of people think that. I'm not suggesting that's wrong. But uh, for us, that could be the phase we're in as Nexus. We're 21 years into this thing. Let's settle into a well-oiled machine and just run with it until we collect our pension and, and travel the world or play golf or whatever we want to do. Um, but here's what God needs in the earth. He needs greater numbers of evangelists. He needs greater numbers of preachers, prophets, trained and mobilized. And more and more of them need to speak the language that the world communicates in. And that's in the arts, in technology and things and you've probably heard statistics of hundreds of millions of pieces of creative content uploaded onto things like YouTube and, and things. And those are videos, songs, animations, creative things. We need God's people to be creating that content. They need to be trained and equipped to be able to do that if we're going to see the kingdom forcefully advance across the earth. And universities can train you for a lot of things. They can prepare you for the workplace but they cannot, they're incapable really of producing young, young men and women full of faith and vision to see God's kingdom established in their generation. They don't have that technology. They don't operate by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're, not, they're operating as businesses, not in faith. They're not starting from God speaking and responding in obedience to that. And just to, just to summarize and encourage you, Basically, these scriptures tell us that vision starts and continues with sight of God. We have to, our eyes need to be open to see God at work. Our hearts then have to fix on, they, they get fixed on something. What God has invited us to and what he's created us for is to fix our hearts uh, uh, in sight on him and give our lives, if you like, to pilgrimage towards his purposes have destinations that are not determined by our natural circumstances, no matter how set or rigid they seem. Activating our, our faith with the first steps. We've got a great banner here, which I didn't know was going to be here, but called Next Step or Next Steps. For some people here, it will be first steps in faith. Some people here, it will be the tenth step. But it's always the next step. It's always the next thing. God never designs us to say, stop. We run the race until he calls us home. And that means there's another step for us to take in the journey. And it's always going to be obedience that activates that. It's always going to be the opening of our eyes to see it. And what God promises is that through that life flows to others. He gives us victory in the face of opposition. Uh, and his unique plan and purpose is that uh, he's designed us to serve his purpose in our generation in whatever context that is and we've heard a couple of testimonies of that and like, like Josh said we could have probably been here all day maybe hearing 
testimonies of God at work in people's lives. But everything that we can see, God has so much immeasurably more for us than we yet know or understand. And I, I hope these passages, and I hope just a little bit of this story, encourages you. Um, encourages you to take the next step. Encourages you to not say, yeah, that, that was interesting, that was encouraging. But to press into God and respond and say, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting me to hear from what, what Dave was saying today? Is there something that I've not seen that you need to open up my eyes to? Am I too influenced by my history or my previous experience or my circumstances to see what you're really wanting? Uh, I don't actually know what the order of service is, what happens next after me. Maybe I'm the last thing. I don't know. Um, I don't even know if this this is fully appropriate, but I I think it's probably okay. Let me just suggest one thing. What I didn't tell in the story is how the story started. I went to a youth weekend, a bit like your young people are at this weekend. And I was there. And I'd love to say I was there with some really great purpose to hear God speak and to be fired up for God's kingdom. I was there to mess around with my friends, hopefully maybe see a nice girl or something like that, uh, meet some people. Honestly, as my sort of 16-year-old self, that was kind of where I was at. But I went on this youth weekend away, and uh, that wasn't my experience. God had something very different in store. And I was sitting hearing a talk from a Canadian guy, a guy called Jeff Jewett, a a Christian Canadian TV producer. And I was just sitting here, uh, you know, listening like you guys are to me. It was all fine. He was telling funny stories and things. And and, uh, uh, that was about the end of it. And then he says something like I've just said. He said, I'm not sure if this is appropriate, but he said, I've just got a sense that there are people here that God has spoken something to. And in in this case, what he said is, is there's people here who have a thought or a dream or a vision or a seed of something for creative ministry. And uh, if you're here, I'd like you to come and come to the front and stand here and like to encourage you and and pray for you. And I was like, oh, I knew it was me. I knew I was one of those people and I really didn't want to be one of those people. I, I wasn't very confident in those days. I certainly didn't want to walk forward and stand in front of because everybody's going to be looking at you. And who knows what he's going to do? This guy's a little bit crazy. Uh, you know, what if he starts prophesying and telling everybody about my whole life? And I don't know. I thought all these weird thoughts. But I went forward anyway. And he, um, there was about 40 of us. And he walked along the line and he stops in front of me. And he just, he says, here's what I think God is saying for you. And what he did, what he said then next, and my friend was standing next to me and wrote this down, fortunately. He kind of wrote it down on his notes. And uh, what he began to speak into my life changed the whole direction of my life. He began to, to tell a, a, unpack a kind of a narrative, tell a story about a future thing. And he said, and this is your place in it. And we've carried that forward and we've built nexus on those words that he said that day. And we've trained the students in a very specific way. We don't do it the way that everybody else does it. We've, God has given us uh, a quite a, 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 it's quite intense sometimes, but a very specific way of raising up young men and women. And it came from the things that were, were prayed for me and spoken over me that day in that meeting. My 
16, 17-year-old self had no idea really the magnitude of what God started with that seed. And I'd only, and I'm still discovering it today. I'm still standing here 35 years on looking at the fruit of that statement when he called me out and when God began to speak and look at the cascade of my life's response to that.